What's up, everybody? This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. I'm your host, Sean Dustin. We got a good guest for you this evening. We've got Mark M. Bello, who is a legal thriller, legal crime thriller author. I think I got that right. He's written a bunch of books. A really uh, interesting guy here. He's hooked up by uh, publicist Adrian. Thank you, Adrian. Shout out to you. Let's see. Oh, yeah. New website, SeanDustin.com. If you haven't checked it out, go on over there. Every place that the podcast is, is over on SeanDustin.com. It's actually a pod page, which is a really cool service. I was trying to use, what's that one? Uh, WordPress. Had a site for a year. Couldn't figure it out. And so I just went over there. Super simple. So if you're looking for, if you got a podcast and you're looking for a, a good place to have a website or somewhere to direct your audience to, podpage.com. Check it out. That's a great place to go. Super simple and affordable too. So I'm, they're not paying me. I just knocked off a lot of time and I should have done this a long time ago. So SeanDustin.com, check it out. We'll get to the interview or conversation here after a moment after the intro. So we'll catch you in a minute. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. Hey, Mark. How you hey, doing? I'm good. I, I like that intro. Thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. So, hey, good to have you on the show. You are a author and you've written a lot of books. You were just naming off a bunch before we got into this, got into the intro and everything. That's quite a list of, of books that you've written. So, like, how did you go from being a lawyer? Like, what kind of law did you, what does it say, civil justice? I, what kind I, of an attorney were you? I had a civil justice practice, primarily auto accidents, police brutality cases, a few medical malpractice cases, uh, a few workers' compensation cases. I helped people fight insurance companies. David beat Goliath. That's kind of what my practice was about. Early in my practice, when I was in my 30s, I'm 70 now, I handled a case where a couple of kids were abused sexually by a Catholic priest. The case was so troubling to me, not just from the standpoint of a priest doing this to a couple of kids, but the way the church behaved in terms of transferring offenders, hiding witnesses, covering up prior incidents by the same priest, transferring him from place to place, 
doing despicable things avoid their conse- the consequences. I said to myself way back then, 35 some years ago, I should write a book about this. And in, in about 2000, I would say, I sat down, I started to write a nonfiction account, an actual account of the way things went down. And it wasn't happening for me. I, it, was, it was almost like writing a brief, a legal brief, which, which I can tell you most people find pretty boring. So I decided to turn it into a novel, embellish it a bit, write it about the church rather than picking on a particular denomination, because I believe, frankly, that something like that can happen anywhere, but not the way the Catholic Church handles it, the way I described to you. Most people, like the Boy Scouts or other situations, finally come clean and do something about it. The Catholic Church for years has covered this up, transferred predators to communities who didn't know they were predators and it would all the cycle would begin all over again so i had to write something about it i promised myself as a bucket list item that i would and finally about five years ago after i retired from practicing law i wrote betrayal of faith which is the first book in a in the legal thriller series you mentioned and it is about a couple of kids who are abused sexually by a priest. So why do you think they, they hid that for so long? Do you think it was because that was just the culture of, of the Catholic church? Like they were all doing it. So it was like, you know, we'll just keep, you know, it's our little secret and we'll just keep this thing rolling or like what? I, I, I don't understand that. Well, they were all doing it is an overstatement. I'm sure there are plenty of honest and terrific clergymen in the Catholic clergy. But there is this dirty little secret out there, and there was a cover-up by various members of the hierarchy. I don't know how high it went. I don't know that popes were involved or anything like that. But I certainly know, for instance, at the local level, that archbishops were involved and that those are the people who are responsible for transferring a priest from place to place. So when a priest, for instance, in my situation, is transferred from Wyandotte, Michigan, to Farmington Hills, Michigan, the actual story, and four boys are molested in Wyandotte, but nobody tells Farmington Hills, and they go so far as to settle a personal injury case for those four boys, sealed by the court, Why the court is implicit in this kind of blows my mind. We can talk about that. They even get judges to participate in the cover-up. I don't think they do it realizing that's what they're doing. Uh, They're probably just trying to avoid unnecessary scandal, but that's what they're doing. They're enabling the predator to do it again, and that's what happened in Farmington Hills, in my case, a priest who had molested four boys in Wyandotte molested two boys in Farmington Hills. And the cycle began all over again. From from uh, Farmington Hills, he was transferred to Cleveland. 
I wrote a letter to the Cleveland Plain Dealer, basically laying out the facts of the case so that the citizens of Cleveland, wherever he went, whatever church he went to, would be aware that there was a predator in their midst. As a result of my letter, they transferred him to Baltimore, Maryland. You, you can't make this stuff up. It, 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 truth is better than fiction in this in this situation. Yeah, but that's what yeah, happened. I mean, that's what happened with this one priest. The good news at the very end of it all is Michigan now has an all female, all democratic government. I'm not talking about the legislature, but the governor, the secretary of state, the attorney general are all female, and they're all Democrats. Well, I don't, I don't know what the politics of the show is, but a, a Democratic attorney general will not tolerate a predator priest. And this gentleman resurfaced in Illinois, I think it is. The attorney general got wind of of some unresolved crimes that he committed in Michigan and she went after him at in his 70s or 80s and he's now in prison thanks to her and thanks to the bravery of some people that came forward and said let's get this guy off the streets now prior to that he was defrocked finally but that didn't take place until very much later in life so that's the history lesson. The book is an embellished version of what I would say, what the cover-up feels like. Here's this uh, down-and-out lawyer. Uh, he has some characteristics of me. He has some characteristics of Paul Newman in the verdict. <laughs> he, he has some characteristics of, of lawyers I know. But when in his heyday, before he had a fall from grace... He handled a wrongful death case for the mother of these two kids. And he's the only lawyer she knows. So she called, she contacts him, hires him. He pulls himself out of the gutter and takes on Goliath. And that's essentially what the book is about. There was a <clears throat> spotlight. There was a movie about the priest in was in massachusetts boston yeah boston that area <clears throat> in, in boston massachusetts so yeah i mean it's it's it definitely a problem for a while hopefully it's 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 been sort of wiped out who knows though i i, I grew up catholic and i did all the catechism and every, all the stuff like that <laughs> but i never i was never altar boy or, or any of that and was never left alone well, with anybody be, be, be thankful for that yeah. So you said you you've also written some children's books that you want to talk about. I have. I wrote a I wrote a book about a child who is biracial. His father is black, his mother is white. He's lived a very typical normal life for his first 5 years. He wasn't aware that we live in a in a racist society. And he goes to school for the first time, all excited as a kindergartner. And he's obviously different than the other children. And a bully 
comes and knocks him down on the playground. Why did you do that? You're not like us. You shouldn't be. And the book basically tells the story of how the school rallies around the child, punishes the bully. And, you know, it, it's it's a young children's picture book. I have one somewhere. Yeah. It's a young children's picture book. And I don't want, I didn't want to make it dark, but I did want to make it uh, a message book for kids young enough to be prevented from being bullies in the future. And, and that's what I did with the second book as well, which is a book about a little auto accident that happens to a family because the person who crashes into them is texting while he's driving. And I wanted children at a very young age, before they get their hands on one of these, to to realize how dangerous it is to carry a self or to use a cell phone while they're driving a car. And as you know, I don't think it would be a surprise to you or any of your guests or any of your listeners, rather, parents are giving their kids cell phones much younger than maybe I gave my kids cell phones or you gave yours. I haven't given mine yet. Well, I'm trying to get this message out to kids before they get their hands on phones. So, again, by writing books for small children with pictures and explaining in a child's story and rhyme way, and these are basically poems, stories and rhyme, in a child-friendly way, maybe I can get a kid or a parent to get this message to a kid before they take driver's training. Keep in mind, if you think about it, by the time a kid hits driver's training at age 16, 17, 18, he or she is already addicted to phone use, right? Mm-hmm. They're they're already texting or with or a device of some sort. Yeah, so so if I can get the message out early, don't use the phone if it's going to distract you from safety. Maybe I can prevent a few serious injuries or or even deaths, and that and that's that's the story of those two children's books. I typically write social justice, and I believe that social justice for children is probably the most important thing I write. So what inspired you to write about those two topics, bullying and cell phones, texting while driving? Texting while, dri- texting while driving was a simple extension of handling cases where distracted drivers hurt people in my practice, I had a lot of clients who got into accidents as a result of texting and driving, telephoning and driving, makeup and driving. There's all kinds of distractions. People and the cars today, if you think about it, they're making it worse. All this technology they're putting in a car is wonderful, fun, but it takes away from the actual reason why we 
drive a car or that to get from point A to point B safely. I have a scenario for you. So if I was texting and I accidentally hit somebody who was on, you know, on the side driving a bike and I clipped them, what could happen to me? Cause you know, there, I live in an area where there, that is people are walking on, you know, the side of the road where it's almost like a rural area and like, they shouldn't be walking there and people have been, have gotten hit that way. And like, you know, when you look down at your, your, it, you veer off sometimes, you know what I mean? And yep. there's, it wouldn't take a whole lot to, to, or the wrong time, or, you know, somebody being in the wrong place at the wrong time or you, yep. and all it takes is just one look and one, one veer and you can clip somebody. So yep. if somebody does that, what could possibly happen to you? Well, let me answer it. It's a hard question to answer. Without, can you, can, can somebody, can the person, if they survive, well, hang Can on. they sue you personally? Yes. Well, absolutely. I mean that that will almost undeniably happen. You will you will get sued by the person you hit. That's almost that's an absolute inevitability. And if you're a kid, it's your parents that's going to get sued, right? Well, typically, you're you're driving a your parents' car insured by your parents' insurance company. And if the insurance is inadequate, then your parents' own net worth is involved. But assuming the insurance is adequate, then typically insurance will pay for it. But I, I want to expand the answer a little bit because there are all sorts of facts that are important and can be left out in a story like that. Have you had anything to drink? If you had, then you're talking about a, a level of negligence that might reach criminal responsibility. Have you, have you had tickets for the same kind of conduct? Have cops stopped you for erratic driving because you use the phone all the time and you haven't learned your lesson? That can result in criminal responsibility or gross negligence that exceed the coverage that you have in your insurance company and get and get to you personally. So if you're, you know, your story was, oh, I just looked down for a second one time and I happened to hit a person, they're not going to look as unfavorably as they would to the other two examples I gave you. The other point ab about that, though, putting aside guilt or innocence is you mentioned the walker being in a place where he shouldn't be. In most states, we have what's called comparative or contributory negligence, and their negligence counts too. So by all, you have a duty as a pedestrian to watch where you're going and to follow the rules of the road, just like a driver does. Are you as culpable as the guy that hits you because he's not paying attention? Of course you're not. Of course you're going to be the sympathetic party in that litigation, but you do bear some responsibility. So the moral of the story, kids, 
don't behave text yourself. and drive because uh, uh, behave there's yourself. consequences. Consequences, you know, are there are always consequences for our actions. In a nutshell, basically, right? Yeah, don't do anything and drive. Drive. That's the purpose of the car. True. True. All right, so we got five thirty. We got a few more minutes here. Let's see. You wanted to talk about. You mentioned something about. Jew, Jewish and, and people attacking Jews. I'm not so familiar with that. I mean, I know that there are different sects. I don't even know if that's, you would call them sect, sects of Jew, of Jewish people. Like there's, there's the, the Torah Jews, right? There's the Abrahamic, there are the Anakasazi, I think, or I don't Ashkenazi. know. Ashkenazi. Ashkenazi. I can never pronounce that. Ashkenazi. Ashkenazi. Okay, there you go. I'm all, I'm trying to mess it up. So there's there's these different what what would that be called? Well, different sects sectors or or faiths. All all it, all it refers to is is coming from different parts of the world. If you're an Ashkenazi Jew, you came from this part of the world. If you're a Sephardic Jew, you came from that part of the world. So most of the labels, if you want to call it that, that are put on certain uh, or categories of Jewish people come uh, are based on where you come from, whether you came from, I think it's Spain on the one hand, or Poland slash Russia slash Germany on the other hand. Typically, that that's what Ashkenazi and and Sephardic refer to, but but in terms of you know where you came from or not the the what we were talking about off the air was a troubling trend that has taken place i would say i mean the, america has always had its its versions of anti-semitism you asked me by the way a question that i only answered half of you asked me what the inspiration was for the to children's books. I gave you the answer on the distracted driving side. I did not oh. give you the answer on the bullying side. No, and the answer, the answer is that when I was a young kid, I moved from an all Jewish neighborhood to a neighborhood that had almost no Jews in it. And someone, some kid asked me, true story. Some kid asked me, what church do I attend? And I said, this shouldn't surprise anybody. I said, I don't attend church. I attend synagogue. And this kid punched me in the mouth and knocked me to the ground. That incident was the inspiration for the book called Happy Jack, Sad Jack. Yes, I used a biracial kid rather than a Jewish kid. But my own experience was the inspiration for that. So when you talk about anti-Semitism in the news lately, it's been around in America for quite a long time. And I would imagine that the kid who hit me back in the 60s, I would say it was, is a father or grandfather of a Jew hater. <laughs> it it shit flows downhill as you know so here we are in 2017 
and you've got Charlottesville, Virginia, and and a bunch of guys marching with tiki torches, shouting Jews will not replace us. You've got Kanye West saying he's going to go Death Con three on Jewish people. Why? Uh, that's got, what I was going to ask you. Why you've do you got, think you've got Kyrie you Irving? That is. You've got Kyrie Irving accusing Jews of controlling the slave trade and worshiping the devil. You've got Trump posting on social media that Jews have to get their act together and show more appreciation for Israel before it's too late. Like he knows Israel better. There are there are reports that some of the mass shootings, like the one in Buffalo or, or El Paso or Pittsburgh, were motivated by these kinds of ideas. And I and, and I want to throw out this notion. You know, they call Jew hatred anti-Semitism. And if you ask the average person what anti-Semitism is, they won't know the answer to that. But if you say to somebody, this guy is a Jew hater, <laughs> they'll absolutely know what that means. So I would, what I was suggesting to you off the air was, we ought to call it what it is. And maybe, just maybe, talking about it on shows like this and identifying what it actually is and how ridiculous it is. You know, we're 2% of the population. 2%. We're a threat to nobody. So for someone to say Jews will not replace us, I to, to this day, I don't know of any Jew that replaced any white Christian. <laughs> Well, or, I, or or doing so as a group. It's not going to happen. What I think, well, at least what I, I know of what Kanye's said and, you know, sort of the things that he was referring to. I mean, I, I've read some, heard some of, of, of that type of stuff. I, you know, I, I think a lot of the times people just see that the people, the leaders in finance are usually Jewish, the leaders well, in hollywood that, that, are usually well jewish. But, but but those are those are the themes that we're talking about when you say usually you're 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 kind of conceding to those people who make those kinds of rationalizations I, I, by the way it, i'm not suggest i'm not suggesting that they don't play prominent roles in those in those fields but i would tell you categorically that for every Steven Spielberg, there's a James Cameron. And that if you look at the industries you're talking about, the financial industry, the music industry, the movie industry, you will find without question that the majority of people who run those industries are white Christians, without a doubt. Now, are there prominent Jewish people in those industries? Absolutely, yes. But it's it's a stereotype, frankly, to suggest <clears throat> that those industries are, quote, run by, unquote, Jews. It's just I was just telling you what, what, what I, he, I know what, you were. He, he, I know, he's I know referring he, to. I, oh, I, yes, I don't, absolutely, don't know absolutely. Jewish people. Because uh, I, I don't know, I don't just, I don't go looking for. <laughs> hey, are you Jewish? Are you Jewish? Are you Jewish? Well, we you don't wear it. I mean? on, like, we don't wear it on our face. Like, 
where, where, where in the world is the Jew today? <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't look at it like that. I just, are you a good person? I okay. I understand. You know what I mean? If you're if you're a shithead, I don't want to have nothing to do with you. Go away. You know, I, I like, that's I just like how that, I look. I, li- I like that philosophy. Whether you're a white <laughs> shithead or a black shithead, you're a shithead, right? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, there's there's that, shitty that, people that, all over the place, and hopefully, absolutely. you know, I don't run across those in my in my day to day. You know, if I absolutely. do, it's like okay, well, I'm gonna try not to let him ruin more of my day than than having crossed my path. You know, because any more space than that, then I got problems. You know what I mean? Letting letting people rent space in my head for free. <clears throat> I would just, you know, I would, I would, I, I like to quote Rodney King. All those years ago, can we always I, get along? I, I use it. I use it all the time. Can't we all get along? It just it's it's the greatest quote of the of the twenty twentieth century. I really believe that. I, I just think that America Americans should celebrate our differences rather than fight over and I, can't we I, all I, I, that, that, that sounds amazing that, that actually does it sounds amazing Un- unfortunately i think that the media plays a huge role in in the division that we see all over the place i mean every opportunity it seems that they get they use it to divide you know even further down you know i mean look what happened during the during the pandemic covid split up a whole bunch of people split my family up right in in into two different camps you're either you know this or you're that and you know some some people on the that side are really really about that you know and some of us are are not and so it's just it was really crazy to see all that go down but i mean it's been happening way before that it's just they they put a huge wedge during that period how old are you? 49. Okay, so if you think about it, I'm 70, as I said. So I'm a little older than you. <laughs> but, <laughs> just a little. Um, just a wee. I remember a time when the news was delivered by someone who just delivered the news. They didn't deliver a ton of opinions, and there weren't all-day news channels like CNN and MSNBC and Fox News that gave you slanted views of the news so part of what you're talking about is where you get your news from and if if msnbc says this fox news says that it's it stopped becoming news it becomes rhetoric i told you for instance that i wrote my first novel after starting to write a nonfiction account of what happened. The news today is almost a novel rather than a, not, a nonfiction account. It's it's whatever that channel's constituency is. Hey, news. It's yeah, not the takes. news. It's the not the takes. news. Breaking, you know, and and it all it all sort of changed when they, I think it was I think Reagan changed it when they did the Fair uh, Fair Information Act or they did away with it or. There was some sort of piece of legislation that was passed that made it to where they don't have to get both sides. You know what I mean? It can just be, it's, it's basically infotainment now. Correct. And it, and there's no, you know what I mean? There's no accountability. And that's why you've got so many people going to independent 
media sources, you know, like uh, who's that? Glenn Greenwald. He's a good example. Right. Max Blumenthal is another good example. You've got, who's that other guy? Chris Hedges. That's another great example of somebody who's, you know, it's always speaking truth to power and, and, yep. and the such, you know? Well, think um, about it. Think about it. When, when I was a kid, you had, you had three major networks you had, and you had Walter Cronkite, Huntley Brinkley report and ABC didn't even have a newscast until much later on when you were a kid, but everybody got their news from Walter Cronkite or David Brinkley and, and Chet Huntley. Before that, they got the news from Edward R. Murrow. And it was simply the news. This happened in Washington. This happened in Detroit. This happened in Los Angeles. You didn't get all these opinions and political distinctions between this side and that side and everybody fighting with each other. And, you know, is, is that the media? Is that politics? Our politics, our politics could be a little less, a little more civil. Can't we get along? Should, apo- should apply to that too. I'd like to see politicians from both sides get something done for the country for a change it seems to be we need a reboot not a reset we don't need a great reset (laughs) we need a reboot you know what i mean the reset they can take that they can take that thing back to the wef it's too late for a reset we need a (laughs) reset. let's just do do a real quick let's just give a jump start you know what i'm saying you you ever do a a bump bump start you ever bump start a, a a pox on all their houses. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I man, we're just in a crazy place. But I mean, it's I guess it's as crazy as you let it get you. You know, I mean, you still got to go to work. You still got to go and do the normal things. You still got to be a good person. You still got to, you know, do whatever it is you need to do to survive. And you know, all the craziness that goes on around us. I mean, even the national scene. You know what I mean? Our national politics. To me, it's just this huge soap opera. And all the CNN pundits and all the MSNBC pundits and all these other people that are talking about it are just, they're talking about this week's episode, really. You know what I mean? They're talking about what's happening in Washington this week. What's going on in, in, in the theater of Washington this week? And they're just commenting. They're, you know what I mean? They're the comment section of a, of a YouTube fucking <laughs> channel. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. That's it. And they're just a huge distraction. And if you're paying so much attention to that, what you're not paying attention to is what's happening in your own backyard and in your own political scene in your in your community where things actually make a difference to you. Well, I, I, I think that's I, I, largely true. The idea that national politics don't affect you. I mean, just look at the last four years or six years. National politics absolutely affect us, but to your point, your day-to-day life is certainly affected by the the local environment much more so than the national environment. What I what I would say though is again, I, I'd like our civil discourse to be much more civil. <laughs> I, I, the idea that. We can't disagree with each other without being, it, it, it's us versus them all the time. That didn't exist back then. And I'm, I'm old enough to remember when it didn't. And there are people who are adults today who are not old enough to remember when it didn't. And that, I think, is a sad thing. 
Rebecca. I remember debates. I re- I remember conversations. I re- remember stuff like that on PBS. I remember, and it wasn't short form like it is now. It wasn't just bites. You know what I mean? You would actually get a, a an idea, you know. And and there's that just doesn't happen anymore. Actually, it seems like if you don't go along with certain narratives, you get you get you get shut up. You get shut down. And when you try to bring up a, a, your point and certain, I don't know, communities, when they don't like your point, they just start throwing, instead of, and when they don't have an argument against what you're saying, instead of showing their argument, they attack you personally instead and derail the whole thing and then turn it into into something completely different. And that happens quite a bit. That's happened yeah, to me quite a it, bit. It, it does. It does. And that doesn't do anything. And nobody nobody gets to see that side. And then, you know what I mean? And then if you react to that, now you're the bad person. You know? Well, and so well, the, the, it's, a, it's the, just an interesting place, man. It's just yep, so yep. strange. It's, it, it's a tough time right now. No Damn. question. No question. But I think we can get through it. You know, I mean, we got through we everything else. I mean, I I don't think we that have. we're we always have. I don't I don't think that we're going. I think the way that we're going to end up off of this place is is the universe is going to shake us off like they have the last the last you know two or three times that it's done it already. I think we're in more we're in more trouble of of that coming than we are like any sort of civil war or anything else. I mean, people will be people. And at some point, you know, the pendulum will shift and it'll go back into a different direction. It, that's what it does. It just keeps going this way, this way, you know, and there, hopefully there's more correction, you know, cause it doesn't seem like the last few years, there's been a lot of correction, just a lot of just going in one direction and, you know, not paying attention to anything, but hopefully, uh, pendulum will swing back into a more balanced society amen (laughs) (laughs) not that i'm any kind of preacher or anything but i just i just i just hope man that was a great that was a great sermon i i like that sermon (laughs) you should write that up (laughs) well thanks man well you know maybe i should i could have chat gpt help me out just a little bit too you know i'll do i'll transcribe the rabbi I'll send the rabbi your way. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right, Mark. Well, we got to wrap this up. So all of your books and everything, is everything about you available on your website? Yes. Awesome. Well, we got that right there on the uh, screen. So everybody catch uh, Mark over at markmbello.com. You can catch all of his books there, all the podcasts that you've done. Are you? Do you have your own podcast too? I have a, I have a podcast called Just Discounts. Okay. Uh, it, it it is it is typically a legal themed podcast, but if you think about the word justice or the word injustice, that can happen in different areas of your life that have nothing to do with the law. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you one great example that you could identify with. I listened to your intro. You had some criminal problems in your life. Tell the people what it's like to try to get a job after you get out of prison, even though you're qualified for the job. Mm. 
Well, I it it wasn't a huge problem. I went into I went to a union and to to the trade, so it really didn't affect me a whole lot. And they also gave the credits, you know what I mean, for hiring a felon. So like for the first two years, it's all it's a benefit for them to have you on. And okay. so I got lucky. You know what I mean? I'm I'm one of the lucky guys that 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 made it through and was able to prosper and and but you, you but know. you know what i'm referring to yes i do i now, do it's, now, di- it's very difficult if you don't have certain if you're not afforded certain privileges you know what i mean and you know because you know when you come out of prison a lot of times you don't have anything and you go back to the same situation where you didn't have anything to begin with that's why you got in trouble right and so you know, I was lucky enough to be able to go back to a situation where I, I, I had help from family. So just just one example, though, of, of a typical injustice by buying a house, getting a mortgage. If you've if you've got a few marks on your credit, if you're if you want to live in a certain community, but you're a little you ha- you have a little bit less money than that typical community does. Or if you're a person of color and you want to move into a white neighborhood, they, they put roadblocks in your way that might be legal, but are still an injustice. So we like to talk about things outside the box, if you will, sometimes. That what do you call create, that, redlining? That create an injustice that have nothing that has nothing to do with the law, necessarily. It's called Justice, justice Counts, is the name of the podcast. Awesome. It's, uh, I was going to ask you what what you were referring to. Is that called redlining? Well, it's it, it legally, if you if you redline, that's not. Le- if if you think about, for instance, what Trump did back when his father was alive to keep these citizens out of his exclusive apartment buildings in New York, that's an example of redlining. Okay. But you can but you can redline without redlining. You can just make it uncomfortable. And again, I'm I'm not. I I don't have specific facts to give you. I'm just all I'm saying is there are ways to look at injustice that have nothing to do with the law. And I'm sure we can all, and and people listening too, can all identify with having been felt uncomfortable in some situation where you know maybe you weren't wanted or welcomed or everybody knows that feeling and it doesn't feel very good. How about the whole woke uh, situation? Now, I, you know, I, there are certain Ooh, things. We that, don't have time for that one. <laughs> but there are certain things that I that I think are woke. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think you can tell that I'm a left-leaning person. But that doesn't mean that I don't think that there are things that they that they declare, that the left declares politically correct that I think are ridiculous. But if you look at the at the right side of that equation and someone says let's ban a book when we have a first amendment in this country and let's ban a book called to kill a mockingbird the best legal novel ever written in my ban to kill a mockingbird ban catcher in the rye ban one flew over the cuckoo's nest are you crazy? So yeah, there's a lot. There's there, a lot of interesting stuff going on there. It, it, that's a whole. That's a whole different podcast, right? Yeah, it is um, the whole the woke uh, <laughs> ideology. I mean, it's. I yep. mean, that's far left. 
You know what I mean? Left. I think. Or I think most right. people. I th- the well, ban- I the, think the banning. The banning comes from, especially here in Florida, where I am right now. I live in Michigan, but I winter in Florida because I'm a senior. <laughs> you want a Jewish are stereotype? A, are, you a, are you a bluebird? You want a Jewish stereotype? <laughs> <laughs> are you uh, a bluebird? Snowbird, they call. Yeah. Or snowbird, yes, yeah, snowbird. snowbird. Uh, you yes, going I'm down to Boca, Boca, and uh, the. Uh... I'm, in, I'm, in Del- I'm in Delray Beach, which is, right. which is the next town over. But anyway, okay. Um, DeSantis is who is a right wing Republican is the spearhead for book banning in Florida. He doesn't want kids reading this or kids reading that. Or oh, the CRT stuff, or or colleges teaching this, or colleges teaching that. There's a, a controversy over a curriculum about teaching slavery as it actually happened. We don't want that. We don't want the truth. I I have problems with that. I, do do I do I? I haven't looked. At, I haven't really looked too much into his. I I heard about what he's been doing there, but I haven't I haven't delved too much into it. Do but I do I have not... do I think kids at a very young age might be eased into these topics? Might be might have history sugar coated for them? Sure. But ultimately I think American citizens deserve the truth. And and if you remember what was it, a few good men? You can't handle the truth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yes, we can. And I think we ought we ought to. I do so anybody, too. Anybody who tries to prevent the dissemination of the truth should be silenced. That's not not the truth. We should we should be telling the truth. I agree. I think we should keep it one hundred percent right there. It's right behind me. Keep it one hundred. Mm-hmm. That means that, that means keep it keep it real. I love. All right, background. Mark. Is that I is that a real back, is that a real background or is that a no? It's a green background? screen. It's a ver- okay. it's a green screen. I love it though. Behind me. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. All right, everybody. Mark M. Bello, check him out. It's a podcast and every every place that Mark is at, you can find him at markmbello.com. And I appreciate it, Mark. Have a good evening, brother. Thank you, Sean. You too. Appreciate it. All right.